If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas. Our show provides film and TV reviews from two guys that make, watch, and love movies. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is, of course, Will. Hello there, everybody. Today, we'll be discussing the film The King of Staten Island, starring Pete Davidson and directed by Judd Apatow. And we will also be discussing our top five Judd Apatow movies of all time. And this is from a list of anything that he's either written, produced, or directed. But first things first, as always, let's get started with our rundown on the latest in entertainment news. All right, so first things first, Comic-Con this year went completely virtual. As I'm sure you're all well aware, the uh, live version was shut down due to COVID. So, uh, you know, Will, you and I both had a chance to kind of go through uh, some of the uh, sessions that took place. Wanted to ask you what stuck out to you. Yes, so a couple of things. Uh, the first was I am so intrigued by Snyder's Superman black suit. And mm-hmm. basically it just, well, it's funny because it seems kind of salty that Snyder, Snyder's part to not use a frame of Josh Whedon's footage kind of wondering mm-hmm. what that's all about well let's first off be clear uh so schneider didn't actually host uh, or wasn't a part of any sort of comic-con panel discussion right, this is right, kind right. of a side discussion that he had during comic-con but uh, i think uh, obviously people were totally geeking out like you said about the black suit which was really really cool yeah. um and it, you know with the whole thing about joss whedon apparently there have been reports of his bad behavior on the set when they were they were doing reshoots which is i'm sure one of the reasons why um you know, the actors really kind of rallied around Zack Schneider and all of them wanted to see the Schneider Cut get released. So maybe that has something to do with it. But also, I mean, it just sucks, I think, for Zack Schneider to, you know, we heard what happened with the passing of his daughter. And mm-hmm. um, that was the reason why he had to step away. So I That's feel like, crazy. you know, give him his due. Let him release the film that he wanted to release, you know. Yeah. So I'm excited to see it. The black suit, it just is one of those things you just geek out over because it just looks cool. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm sure that I'm sure the first thing you did, as I did, is I looked at his upper lip to make sure that, <laughs> that there were no CG off mustaches. No in the CG shot off there. And it looked real. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, the little snippet that they showed, it looked really cool. Yeah. I'm, I was also excited to hear that the next Bill and Ted movie, that it would not only be, be coming to uh, movie theaters, but that it's also coming straight to streaming. It's on September 1st. I'm really mm. excited about that, actually. The other thing I was excited about is the uh, the boys uh, panel that they had for the uh, Prime TV show. We're obviously big fans. Season two is coming out in September, but they already pre pre announced that season three will be happening next year. So, being a huge fan of the show, I'm excited to know that there's going to be a lot more uh, in the series that they're going to be releasing. Because so far, I really like where they where they brought the story, and I'm excited to see what they do in season two. It's going to be nuts. All right, in other news, the Emmy nominations, uh, the uh, evening, or uh, they call it the nighttime. I don't know what you would call it because they have the daytime Emmys, and I guess they that's for like soap operas. But this is the actual Emmys for, for their more serious content, I guess you could say. But evening the nominations Emmys. were recently. What was that? I was like, e- evening Emmys? Yeah, that's, that's evening weird. Emmys. Huh? The regular Emmys. <laughs> the regular uh, Emmys, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the nominations were just announced. There was a whole lot of love for Netflix. Just wanted to get uh, get your thoughts on the list oh, that, that was announced. Applause for Netflix, man. Breaking the record for most Emmy nominations. In like a 160, year. right? 160. That's nuts, man. They really went balls out. You know, I think it's also good to see like the push for inclusion and diversity in the award mm-hmm. nominations. It's like yeah. finally paying off kind of thing, so... Yeah. yeah, so uh, have you watched the show Ozark by any chance? I, You know, honestly, I only saw a couple. I, I did watch a couple of the first episodes. I did like it. I just got distracted with like, 
I don't know. There's just so much content out there that I, I just, I don't know. I, I just didn't really keep up with it, but I, I did. I was impressed with the first two episodes of Ozark. So I yeah. So my that. my wife and I just started watching it last night, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously it racked up a bunch of Emmy nominations as well. So I'm really excited to kind of finally finish the show because literally I have had like a hundred personal recommendations of people saying you have to watch the show mm-hmm. so yep we started and, and i'm happy to see it looks like the show's getting better and better and better so uh good to see that they're finding their groove i'm also really happy to see some love for some shows on the newer streaming apps disney plus got some nominations for the mandalorian which is mm-hmm. you know i was happy about that really like that show also really loved the morning show so that got a bunch of nominations as well so i'm sure sure apple tv plus is excited about that and cool. now I'm, I'm gonna knock on wood here Tenet finally has a release date, exclamation point, question mark, kind of, sort of. So the question here is, will it stick? What do you think? I won't be surprised if it gets pushed back again. Yeah? Nope. Yep. It's, it's, just, it's just unclear still with COVID, you know, in its situation in the U.S. specifically, at least. And I think it's interesting, though, like that North America, though, is the world's biggest film market and how foreign markets are in desperate need of a Hollywood movie to entice crowds. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the film does get released, I definitely will w- love to watch it in theaters. Just only if strict safety protocols are enforced, obviously, because, yeah. you know, really, guys, like it's just getting out of hand and I really want movies to come back to theaters, you know, so I think it will stick. I think they're kind of at a, a an impasse right now. Uh, there is immense pressure from theater chains that need to reopen, that need to start making money. Yeah. Studios want to start, you know, releasing films. Um, and like you were saying, there's that pressure from foreign markets as well. So apparently the movie is going to come out everywhere except the U.S. in late August. And then the movie will finally release on U.S. shores or in the domestic market uh, Labor Day weekend. So I think this is kind of at that point where they're like, hey, COVID is just something we have to deal with. We need to reopen our theaters and just enforce some strict guidelines. So yeah, here's hoping it actually opens this time. Let me ask you, are you going to watch this in an IMAX theater, a regular theater, or a drive-in theater? I would love to watch an IMAX first, for sure. I, I mm-hmm. love the whole freaking 70 millimeter, huge freaking yeah. screen and enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I think my second option would be drive-in, uh, even though, like, you know, obviously sound won't be the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, for safety protocols, sure, I think driving yeah i don't second bed. i don't know if my car speakers can handle han zimmer's st- scores they yeah. tend to be really low and brassy i'll probably blow up my speakers in like the first <laughs> 10 minutes but uh yeah like for me it's whatever i can convince my wife to do if she can see it in imax theater obviously that would be preferred but hell i'll watch it in a freaking drive-in if i have to yeah and i think uh what is like every other seat or something like that i know that they're going to be taking that safety they're gonna do something well, so. yeah, yeah they have to they have to well let's talk about what's available for streaming coming out this week is a movie called an american pickle starring seth rogan he plays an immigrant worker at a pickle factory and is who was accidentally preserved for a hundred years and wakes up in a modern day brooklyn he actually falls in, into a vat of pickle juice and it keeps him alive for a hundred years yeah yeah it, I, I, it's a satire it's a satire, I think. It, I, yeah, I, I got that. It was just, I don't know. It was such a weird concept at first when I saw that. So yeah, <laughs> I didn't know how to react, really. I was just like, um, okay. Also available for streaming is a movie called The Rental, which is directed by Dave Franco. It's about two couples. They rent a vacation home for what should be a celebratory weekend getaway. And of course, 
bad things start to happen. Of course. It's like, oh yeah, we couldn't get the rights to Airbnb or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, so I was watching the trailer, the trailer, I was like, oh, so it's like a, they just, yeah, Airbnb, right? It's just, and yeah. And starts happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, granted you had hostel, now you have rental. <laughs> like now I wonder what's good. I don't know. Now, I don't know. Getaway. The timeshare. Timeshare. Duplex. Time share. <laughs> yeah. All right, look at our future episodes. Next week, I'm really excited about this. It, to celebrate Inception's 10-year anniversary, we will be look, taking a look back, reviewing the film, and we will be ranking our top five Christopher Nolan movies of all time. So that's going to take be really forever, exciting. dude. I feel like you're yeah. going to have the hardest time. It's going to be sure. hard. Yeah. Yeah. And the week after, we're going to review the movies that we just talked about. We'll be watching the films An American Pickle, The Rental, and we'll be reviewing those. And we're going to be starting a series that I like to call Movies We Missed. So we're going to take a look back, Will and I, and review movies that neither he nor I have seen, but everyone has been saying, wait, you haven't watched this movie? Are you crazy? You got to watch this right now. So we're going to kick off that series uh, with a review of the film Hereditary. And I'm scared to watch it already. I hear some pretty crazy things about that movie. Do you need a FaceTime with me to watch this or something? Maybe. Maybe we okay. should have a watch party or something. A watch party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can reach through the, the screen and hold your hand, Will, and grip it tight. No, no, no. COVID, man. Six feet apart. We can't. Oh, yeah. That's true. We can. As long as you're wearing gloves, maybe. Okay. (laughs) That's just weird. Any thoughts? (laughs) Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews of our content? Drop us a line at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com. And please tell your friends about us. Our podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, as well as Spotify. And now on to our review of The King of Staff. I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Don't be, it's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad. (laughs) You can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom. I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us. But I'm still here. I'm gonna be here forever. Yeah. People told me slow my road. I wanna become a real tattoo artist. Your work is mad and consistent. Obama ain't right. Oh, I love your tattoos. This is my favorite. <laughs> I've been dating someone for a little while now. The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? You're gonna have to pull your weight a little more around here. Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you could tell me. I'm okay. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not gonna break. Will and I will be reviewing the film The King of Staten Island, starring Pete Davidson. It was also co-written by him. and was directed by Judd Apatow. So here is a look at the synopsis. Scott, played by Pete Davidson, has been a case of arrested development since his firefighter dad died. He spends his day smoking weed and dreaming of being a tattoo artist until events force him to grapple with his grief and take his first steps forward in life. This film uh, is basically a semi-autobiographical take on Pete Davidson's own life. Uh, It talks about his dealings with mental illness as well as the death of his father, who was a 9-11 first responder. So to say that this film was personal would be an understatement. So as always, we talk about you know, in all of our reviews, what we liked, what we didn't like, and we offer up our final thoughts on the film. Wanted to ask you first, Will, what did you like about this movie? 
So yeah, I mean, that is one of the most interesting facts about the film, that Pete Davidson and his character Scott are basically the same person. Uh, both Pete and his character Scott had fathers who were firefighters and both died in the line of duty when they were seven years old. Uh, Scott and Pete both have Crohn's disease as well, and uh, they both have mental health issues. There are like moments in our lives that have scarred and, and or wounded us, and pushing through those times is what helps us grow. Like knowing Pete Davidson as a comedian first, it it also showed how those in his line of work may deal with struggles offstage. Like comedy for them can be a defense mechanism and it may, you know, be for us as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny um, that we talk about how Scott and Pete are basically the same person. I think that's a general common denominator between all of uh, Apatow's movies is that so many times he works with an actor who's basically kind of playing themselves. We have we get that in the big sick with Camille Nanjiani. We also get that in like Trainwreck with Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's funny how he is able to kind of get the most out of these characters or these actors personal lives and, and makes a great movie movie out of it so that's really cool mm. for me in terms of what i liked about the movie i really enjoyed this film's take on mental illness uh the film didn't pull any punches i mean in that opening scene not to give anything away but you have a scene where uh pete davidson is contemplating suicide and he kind of changes his mind at the last second and that kind of sets the stage for kind of us being in his head and seeing what he has to deal with so the film didn't really pull any punches at all when it addressed how it affects uh, the family and friends around the person that who's dealing with the illness. At the same time, it also treated the subject matter with a sense of humor. It never got too serious, which I think is, is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing what Pete's mom and sister, played by Marissa Tomei and Maude Apatow, had to go through was frustrating to watch. But those scenes were some of my favorites because they felt real, you know, and I almost felt as though Pete Davidson, when writing the script, had an idea of what kind of a burden he offered to his family. And he was kind of writing about that. Pete Davidson was really good in this film. I mean, you can say that he's playing himself, so it's not much of a stretch. But I think it goes like, you know, really deeper than that. He delivered the comic beats in the movie with a perfect mixture of cynicism and humor, which was important. You mean, he didn't want it to get too heavy. At the same time, he didn't want to make it too light. And in my opinion, I thought the film did a great job portraying the walls that Scott has built up around himself. You feel a complicated mixture of empathy and anger towards him. Like a part of me is like, how could you treat the people around you like this? Why don't you just grow up? And the other part of me is like, but you're dealing with so much stuff. And it's frustrating to watch, yet you empathize with him. By the end of the film, Scott's journey to becoming a more open, caring, and selfish person is a believable one. And I only wish, though, that that journey was just a little bit shorter. And I think we'll talk about that. Uh, Maybe transitioning back over to you, what are some of the things that you did not like? Oh, this film was 30 to 45 minutes too long, personally. I, mm. I, I know that Judd Apatow tends to make films that are on the longer side. Yeah. But, like, Apatow could have definitely cut out a good chunk of the first hour, hour and a half. Because, like, once the last 45 minutes kicked in, the movie went by fast. Like, the whole trials and tribulations of Scott's life dragged a bit throughout. And I was just like, I get it. Let's let's move on. Um I think also one other thing that I just realized was I kind of wish they would have expanded a little bit more with Marissa Tomei's character Mm. to like, because, you know, she doesn't really show, I don't know, like I, I, we can assume that the effort that she tried to put for her son to help him cope with the loss. um, I kind of wish that they added a little bit more of that in the beginning because you just kind of get it dumped on you towards the end where you're just like i don't know i was just like okay well i guess that makes sense what about you 
Uh, I'm totally agreeing with you here. The movie is a little too long. I can argue that the film had to be this long to show Scott's long and windy journey to becoming a better man. Yeah. But it's still too damn long. And if you kind of look at <laughs> if you look at maybe the average runtime of an Apatow directed movie, it's probably way over it's two hours. Not way, yeah. but they're all over two it hours. Yeah. yeah. There are also, for me, multiple plot points that are just a little too unrealistic and kind of thin. First off, we see that, you know, Pete Davidson's character Scott is trying to be a tattoo artist. Towards the beginning of the movie, he finds an underage boy that is willing to let <laughs> Scott put some ink on him. And then the boy's father, Ray Bishop, played by Bill Burr, eventually finds out and confronts Scott. Yeah. This is the scene where um, Ray actually meets Margie, Scott's mother, and asks her out on a date. So this is all uh, like, like a key plot point that makes the rest of the movie you know, happen. But uh. first off... Uh, just the idea of Scott doing anything to an underage boy is just creepy. And also using this as a springboard for uh, Ray to meet Margie. And, you know, their relationship starts because of it. it seems really, really thin. So, yeah, that was a bit strange. Also, the idea that Ray Bishop, uh, Margie's new boyfriend, would ask Scott to walk his kids to school is ridiculous. <laughs> he just tried to tattoo one of them. And now he's trusting them to walk them to school every single day. Lastly... Towards the end of the film, Margie eventually kicks Scott out of the house. And with nowhere left to go, he decides to move in with a guy that he hates the most, which is Ray. So he moves into the firehouse with him. Um, and at this point, Ray and Margie have broken up. This is where Scott starts to come to terms with his father's death and also starts to learn to be selfless. All that is cool, but there is no way that a fire department would let a civilian live with them and have responsibilities in the firehouse. And then later, there's a scene where he actually goes and helps fight a fire with him. That this is this is ludicrous. This would never yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On to our final reviews, Will. Why don't you go first? I give it three stars. Uh, it, it connects with you with the reality of how we cope with difficult circumstances in life. Um, it, it is funny to me. I think I think it's I, a little bit more funnier than how <laughs> than you expected it to be. I think that it is witty. It's relatable. Uh, it's a good dark comedy and definitely an awesome cast. Just, just it was just a bit too long. That was the only thing. Mm. Yeah, got it. What about got you? It. I give it three stars as well. And honestly, this was kind of in between two and a half to three. I just bumped it up to three at the last second. Mm. Um, it's a convincing and satisfying story, and Pete Davidson is really good in it. But ultimately, what holds it back are some questionable plot points, a bloated runtime, and a few characters doing things that frankly seem out of character. Mm. But these are small things. Um, in it's basically a very watchable, uh, very entertaining movie. And you know, I think uh, I can safely say Will and I both recommend this film. Definitely yeah. worth your time. Yeah, and it's still shorter than The Irishman, so you have that going for it. <laughs> yeah. Which is not a dark comedy. No. <laughs> unless you're laughing at how long the freaking movie is but anyway that's that's something else what's the most resilient parasite an idea a single idea from the human mind can build cities transform the world and rewrite all the rules which is why i have to steal it never recreate from your memory always imagine new places he's 
hiding something, and we need to find out what that is. We gotta break out of here. Give him the kick! This was not a part of the plan! Wake me up! Wake me up! Alright, that was a look at the trailer for the film Inception, which we will be reviewing next week. And now, Will and I will be reviewing our top five Judd Apatow movies of all time. So, we basically have one rule to qualify for this list. Uh, Judd Apatow must have either written, directed, or produced the film. That's it. Yep. So, yeah, he's actually you know a great writer-director, but he's actually also produced a lot of movies that a we've seen. Lot. And it's like, yeah. And you know, as we go through the list, it's like, well, he produced that too? He made yeah. that too? Yeah. But uh, let's go ahead and just get things started with our top five. Will and I will be counting down to our number one. So what is your number five film, Will? Dude, number five, I am still surprised about this is heavyweights he wrote and he was the executive producer that was like what the flip um i never knew yeah he was involved with this film and i find it so funny that he did this knowing his current reputation of like the films that he does now um this film is this film actually was an escape for me or I guess like an antidepressant for a lack of a better word, because, you know, I was a chub chub during this time, like, because it was released like 96, 95. Yeah, I was uh-huh. like 10 years old. And it kind of made me feel better about myself, like even when I was teased a lot, you know, uh, a lot for being fat. Uh, Are we going to put your picture in the episode and just, no. you know, zoom in on it? No. No, nah, nah, it's okay. okay. This, this was a fun, hilarious and awesome film. And I think this is the first film I saw with Ben Stiller and Alan Covert. <laughs> so I remember like when I saw Jerry Stiller, I was like, oh, no, I've seen Jerry Stiller in Seinfeld. So but like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and then that made me the connect that made the connection too. I was like, oh, Jerry Stiller is the father of Ben Stiller. That's crazy. What the heck? So you said by knowing Apatow's uh, reputation, you thought that this film was a little bit of a surprise. Is it because this is it's, it's a generally Disney a cleaner film. movie? It's a Disney yeah, film? It's a Disney film. Yes. This is like oh. produced by Disney. Heavy, you've never seen Heavyweights? Okay. No. Well, I know it's one of his first films, but yeah. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, it has My- it has all the classics like like um, Keenan Thompson's in it too. Um, I forgot the other guy's name from Mighty Ducks. He plays goalie. He, um, mm. he plays Goldberg. He's in it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, uh, cool cast. So you definitely check it out. So, but cool. anyways, you're number five. My number five film is Step Brothers. This is a film directed yeah. by Adam McKay <laughs> that Judd Apatow has, uh, produced. Yeah. In my opinion, this is the funniest film on the <laughs> list of movies that Apatow has either written, directed, or produced. I can watch this film over and over and over again and still bust out laughing. And literally, they're just like, I can just like watch it, start watching it from anywhere, 30 minutes in, 45 minutes in, an hour in. And I'm just be like, hey, hey, hey. And I'll, I'll be like hitting my wife. You got to watch this. You got to watch this part. You got to see this. It's so funny. Why did you let us make bunk beds? <laughs> Boats and hose. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop now. <laughs> I can't really say it's an excellent movie, but that's okay because I it's just quotable. At yeah, it's quotable. Point, it's so quotable. Yeah, yes, I love exactly. It. <laughs> so I really, really loved it. Oh man, so that's my number five. Nice. What's your number four? My number four is Fun with Dick and Jane, and he was one of the writers for this. 
this was such a fun and hilarious film to watch. And I think it was interesting to see them making fun of the accounting scandal behind Enron. <laughs> Uh, it was such a huge mess for former employees who were directly affected by the scandal, receiving no pension, and who were just starting their lives. It's like semi-slapstick, semi-dark comedy, and just and Jim Carrey, dude, just does not fail with his performance. It was so good. So, so. so I have not seen this movie either. Are you freaking kidding me? What the heck? Okay, I'll okay. check that one out as well. Cool, cool, my cool. number four film on the list, uh, this is the only film that he directed, which is on my list, is Trainwreck. So mm. in my opinion, this is the best of the films that Apatow has directed. It was laugh out loud funny. And it's it's funny. Every one of his movies or a movie that he produces has some sort of a breakout surprise performance where you're like, wow, that person is really, really good. And here there's two. It was John Cena. Who would have thunk he was a great comedic actor? Now he's in so many movies, right? And of course, what really shocked me is that LeBron James is actually funny and he can act. Oh wow! And yeah, I'm happy. I'm, I can't wait to see him in Space Jam too. Before but, you uh, get any, before you continue though, John Cena or Dwayne Johnson as actors, which one do you like better? Ooh. <laughs> okay, I think Cena is more versatile. Okay. Uh, the to, Rock I, will. I, I agree. I agree. Yep. So going back to Trainwreck, Bill Hader is also really, really good. And uh, this is a star making turn for Schumer, who also wrote the film. And I honestly mm. don't know if she will be in anything as good again. But that's OK, because this is really, really good. And if this is the pinnacle of her career, I think that's a proud pinnacle to have. So Trainwreck is my number four. Going over to your number three film. My All number right. three is is the King of Staten Island, which is, you know, him writing. He wrote, directed and produced. Uh, this film, mm. uh, as, and as as pointed out in our review for this film, this film was a good dark comedy. I thought that it was funny, witty, and relatable. This is a film that anyone can connect with when they don't have their lives figured out during their mid twenties. So mm. it, it's, yeah, so I get yeah. I, I was surprised myself to think like wow, like I really put this at number three. But knowing just like just seeing this film as one of Judd's uh, more. I guess serious and kind serious. of personal yeah. film. It, it really, it really made an impression on me. So my number three Apatow movie of all time is Bridesmaids. So this is basically the female Apatow movie. Yeah. Same college toilet humor, same star making turns from supporting characters, uh, but instead of like a dysfunctional degenerate male that's that has to grow up, it's uh, a, a woman this time played by Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Um, this film was actually nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards. To me, this film is not as funny as a lot of my friends think it is, but it's Whoa. funny enough. Yeah. And the story is really engaging, and you have some amazing performances from Melissa McCarthy. Also, I think this is when Ellie Kemper and Rebel Wilson really got noticed, and obviously their careers are just blowing up and, and pretty big right now. But yeah, just the character journey that uh, Kristen Wiig's character has from beginning to end uh, is really, really good. That is my number three movie. Um, I want to ask you what your number two favorite film from Apatow is of all time. Our number two is you and I both said super bad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Super bad. He was a producer of this film. Uh, yeah. This is just a hilarious, quotable, semi-mindless, yet relatable film that made me nostalgic for my high school years. <laughs> not not the whole hot dog thing, though. Not Nothing, nothing to do with Jonah Hill's in that sense. 
whether I'm having a drink or not, I just enjoy watching this film and spitting quotes from it. It was, it's just, it, I don't know. It just stands out so well for me. I love it. So good. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, this is my number two as well. This, this movie is downright ridiculous yeah. in the best way possible. <laughs> yes. I think it could be the dirtiest film in the Apatow library. I'm talking about the penis sketches yeah. and the period blood stain at the house party. So clever <laughs> yeah. though. But strangely enough, none of it disgusted me. I was disgusted by far less <laughs> in, in movies. But yet here it was just hilarious. <laughs> I was like rolling in the aisles with laughter when I saw this in the theater at so many moments. And just this whole like idea of the one night high school movie where like, you know, um, uh, you know, they're like graduating and this is their one last night to try to like make a stand together. Yeah. Or let's say the best friends are like moving apart and one of them doesn't know. We, we see this quite a bit. I don't know if you watched the movie like Can Hardly Wait, which came out back in like 98. But similar to that. Okay. And then there was that kind of like maybe the female version of this movie uh, called Booksmart, which came out uh, a year or two ago, which is strangely enough starring Jonah Hill's sister, Beanie Feldstein. So um, this is definitely one of the best. And of course, look at the cast. This is like everyone before they became famous. Jonah Hill, um, uh, Michael Sarah. I mean, Academy Award winner Emma Stone. Yes. And then, of course, you got McLovin, right? But, but here's the thing, so. though, too. It's funny because we had to post uh, only, like, the top five of Judd Apatow films, right? Like, mm. I was like, oh, but Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks was so good. Yeah. And it was, like, the starting point for James Franco, Seth Rogen. So many. Uh, yeah. uh, Jason Siegel, like, yeah, Linda Cardinelli. Like, Linda like, Cardellini. Yeah. Cardellini, yeah. It was just, it was the inception for those guys. And I was just so sad that, like... It only went for two seasons, but it made sense because that's when they were blowing up. So, on to our number ones. Why don't you take the lead first, Will? My number one, Anchorman. He was a producer of that. Uh, I think I gravitate toward Apatel movies where I'm asked to suspend my logic and take it for what it is. <laughs> this is like one of my top Will Ferrell films and one of my top quotable comedies of all time. Uh, like, other than Will Ferrell, like, this film has a powerhouse ensemble cast, as well as some of the most awkward and nonsensical scenes. And I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> How is this your number one? <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. I mean, granted, I, I, I love the movie, and there's so many great, hilarious moments, but yeah. that, 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 there's no... It doesn't, doesn't, have movie to make doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to make sense, bro. Like I said. <laughs> My number one film of all time is The Big Sick. It's not the funniest movie on this list, but is by far the most heartfelt. I love, love, love this movie. And I consider it one of the top 10 romantic comedies of all time. I've never seen it. So this is another, yeah, this is another one, a semi-autobiographical story behind the, the screenwriting team's love story. Yeah. So Camille Nanjiani is dating Emily B. Gordon in real life, and then she falls into a coma. And it's during this time when he realizes how much he actually loved her. And, th and in real life, they eventually got married and everything ends happily ever after. So uh, this is the starting point for what we see in the film. Yeah, but this movie, it, it made my top three of the year list. And this the screenplay also got nominated for an Academy Award. And now Nanjiani is about to blow up. He's uh, cast in the next Marvel movie, The Immortals. Oh, nice. So uh, he got into superhero shape for that. So I can't wait to see what he does there. So that was my number one pick for our top five Apatow movies of all time. So 
Is it apatow or apatow? It's apatow, right? Apatow. Tomato, tomato. Apatow. Apatow. <laughs> apatow, apatow. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, please tune in next week where we will be reviewing the film Inception and we will be ranking our top five Christopher Nolan movies of all time. We will see you then. Good day, everybody. everybody.